Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Talking Talkie podcast. Uh, we are broadcasting live, well, I am anyway, from Manchester, and this week I am joined by Maddie Hayward. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, and once again, um, we're roping in the new guy to do back-to-back-to-back stuff because he didn't have anything else in his diary. Nick French is here. Good afternoon. Hello. Um, right, well, we, we haven't actually got this week a... Um, a proper match report because we figured that everybody will have watched everybody listening to this podcast at least is going to have watched last night's game so rather than kind of go over what was a, a not an incident free game but it wasn't like it finished 6-5 it wasn't the Crawley game it was a, a relatively routine 1-0 win in which we were much the better side and the opposition didn't really get all that near our goal apart from one scuffed chance wide and one very good save from Coverland 30 seconds after we scored. Um, so we were just going to have a chat about it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I thought that was a, pre- a reasonably good performance without being exceptional. And we made Sutton look pretty blunt. Yeah, um, I thought that was probably our best performance since Boxing Day, actually. I think we were... Um, all over them in every possible way in terms of we, 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 we I think we were sharper and better all over the pitch really um, I think there's a thing about playing on plastic pitches where you do have to play a slightly different game you probably have to trust the, the surface a bit less maybe go a bit longer and a bit and, and keep the ball off the deck a bit more and I think we did that a lot um, to relative success um, we uh, we and also on the pitch as well. Often, I noticed that passes weren't quite quite reaching players, and we were quite good at sort of being on their heels and like nipping in front of them and or sort of showing them out the way. You need to, I think, you need to be stronger and tougher. And we were definitely better at that. I think almost every fifty fifty we won. Um, obviously, a bit shaky at the end, but we look. I thought we looked really properly decent. And we, as you say, you made Sutton look pretty rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. It was um, it was one of those where we were we were convincing without the only thing that didn't show us as being convincing was the scoreline. It was the only thing that that we didn't do was score four or five goals, which actually a lot of our play would have would have probably deserved. Um, we had the early chances. They didn't have a huge amount of time on you know in, in our half, anywhere near our penalty area. Um, I think we had a couple of shots early on. I mean, the, the the most surprising thing was seeing Armani Little's haircut probably in the first ten minutes. That was that was the thing that that was the thing that that got me. As I thought, well, we can tell the barbers are open again, which is probably kind of tells you all you need to know about the the early part of the game. Yeah, if, if you're spotting things like that, it's always like you know a game is going um, sort of not overly interestingly. If Dave Thomas has gone, oh, um, here here comes the left back for Chesterfield wearing pink boots. It's like, how have you had time to notice that, Dave? I, I know full well you're a busy man and you've got a football match going on in front of you. You can't have noticed what colour boots people are wearing. No, he's, uh, he, he, had a, um, he seems to have had his fingernails clipped this week as well. Like, what, what are you talking about? How have you spotted that? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, yeah it, it's right. It's accurate to suggest that we were the better side and made them look not particularly good. I said on Sunday's episode um, that I was I was more pleased to have the week off after the game 
rather than before it. And I think that showed through because we did run around like idiots yesterday. We put so much effort into into the game, and I think it was probably that. And you, you pick any anything really you like, but it was probably that that was the difference in the end. We were just willing to run a bit further, run a bit harder. Um, poor old Moxie was exhausted by the end. He got... Was he fouled on 70-odd minutes just before he, he went off? I don't know. Um, Grits on the Radio Devon commentary seemed to think that he was. It didn't really look much of a foul to me. It just looked like a very old man who's played an awful lot of football and was very tired after a long, hard game on a plastic pitch, getting just muscled out of the way, um, which led to the Sutton chance that I mentioned earlier where they somehow managed to scuff it wide. Uh, from what 12 yards which was by no means the best chance of the match that was missed I have no idea how on earth we we only scored the one goal I mean their goalie he made one with with one save with his gentleman's area <laughs> for which he required surprisingly little treatment I'm saying nothing I'm casting no aspersions um and another couple of chances really where I'm just going just 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 shoot just just Kick it in the net, for God's sake. That's what you've got to do. Boot it in the goal. And somehow we managed to miss it. And it just had that awful nil-nil written all over it after about an hour um, because we were missing those sorts of chances. And I'm not was, so sure. Like, Sorry, Matt. No, I'm, go on. I Listen, I don't claim to be some sort of uh, fortune teller, but I, 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 I felt it, it, it felt like there was a goal coming. Uh, certainly in the second half, I thought we we threatened a lot. And obviously, you say you mentioned we had quite a lot of chances that we missed, and obviously that's often a bad sign. But I don't know. I've I haven't really got any any sort of sensible or grown up analysis other than I thought we looked. I, I thought we were going to score. I expected us to score. And to be honest, when Carl Cameron came on on the left wing, I stopped expecting us to score. But um, we scored immediately afterwards. Um, so. Yeah, I, 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 I'd certainly never felt that it was going to peter out into a nil-nil. I thought, I thought there was probably a goal in it, and we were the better team. So I, 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 I did back us. I'm sorry to, I know it's easy to say that after the event, but I did. I very much when when Kyle Cameron came on for Jake Andrews, I was, I think I was about halfway through a, a, an expletive-laden tweet saying that we were settling for a draw when the win was there for the taking. Um, it felt a little bit like he'd sort of gone, oh, um, yeah, so Jake Andrews needs to come off. I haven't got a left winger. Who have I got? And I, I fully expected that it would have been Law that was coming on if if Andrews was coming off and he would have sat in front of Moxie because um, he's relatively good going forward. Moxie was pretty solid, but he would have helped out there, you know, because the only player really that they had of any kind of significance was, uh, as it had a boy, um, he was the only one who sort of looked like he might spark them into a bit of life. Um, and then Kyle Cameron came on and I thought, well, is he set? Are we settling for a point now? Are we, are we happy with the point? And then halfway through writing a tweet, Randell sends the, the cross in from the left and, you know, we all know what happened after that, but yeah, it, it, it I sort of felt it might be, we might be accepting the draw. Um, clearly that wasn't the case. I th- I think if he was accepting the draw, he it would have. So I, I expected when I saw Cameron come on, I thought, all oh, right, he's going to a back five. Is he? Is he going to sort of try and push the just push the full backs up a bit and change the shape? I didn't know whether that might be some sort of 
uh, he's seen something in the tactics that mean that we need to three at the back and, and attacking fullbacks. But no, he, he went on the, he went on the left wing, and it was as if it was like this is the most normal thing in the world that Carl Cameron was coming on the left wing. He just sort of settled in perfectly. And instead of you'd expect the oncoming sub to be like, yeah, right, we're changing shape or you know, few few signals, whatever. He just sort of jogged over to the left wing and just cracked on. And they they clearly planned it, or well, not necessarily planned it, but they've clearly spoken about it because nobody was like, What the hell are you doing over there, Carl? Like you're you're sort of back here. He just sort of came on and and yes, it was quite seamless in in, in a in a weird way. But yeah, I, I it sort of it did look a bit like, oh no, is he setting for it? But actually well, it didn't change the game at all, really, that substitution, but it, it made it look a bit like a bit of tactical genius to put your centre-back at left wing at this, at this point. Yeah, he's decided, right, I'm going to I'm gonna do something mad, and if it doesn't work, oh, well, we've got a point, and if it does, I look like managerial genius Gary, which he is, um, managerial genius Gary Johnson. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I like the idea that maybe it came from Cameron. He was sat on the bench, and he just <laughs> sort of like tugs at Aaron Downsy's jacket. Downsy, Downsy, can I go on on the left wing, please? I think I've spotted something that I can do. Obviously, she doesn't talk like that. Carly, for listening, I'm really sorry. I have one generic somebody else voice, and it's that. Um, yeah, I. who knows? Just baffled me as it baffled you guys. Um, while we're sort of half talking about him, how good was Adam Randell? How good is Adam Randell, by the way. I mean, that was his oh. weaker foot, that cross, and it picked out Hull. It dropped over two defenders, pinned the goalie because he couldn't come and get it, and it dropped right where Hall needed it just to flick it into the into the corner with his weak foot after 80 minutes on a plastic pitch. Ridiculous. Oh, Matt, I, I said it on Sunday. I said he, he is one of our, he's been one of our standouts for the season. And... I, I think even if we go up, we will be very, very lucky to see him at Playmore again after the end of this season. We've got no chance. He because will be, he'll be in Argyle's starting yeah. eleven in League One. I'm afraid he's well too good for that. He is. He's brilliant. And and I think you know you were coming to the point of the season where everybody sort of starts to think about their player of the year. And I think him, he's he's got to be up there. There'll be obviously Eureka Hall, who's who's just played through without really mentioning it and, and he's 34 um so yeah i i think he's he's one, up there as one of our standout performers of the season it's, there, there's only one name for, if it's if there's a like a young player of the year as opposed to necessarily taking the award away from probably asa hole i mean who else do you vote for nobody out through no fault of their own whitfield and the main have only played sort of half the season uh Carl Cameron probably doesn't qualify anymore, but he's been very good and he's been missing for quite a lot of the game. There's nobody else to give it to. Yeah. Really. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't imagine Matt is going to tell us anything different, but no, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to tell you that I think Olaf deserves, uh, deserves (laughs) the young player of the year. I I think, um, I think Randall's been superb. Yeah. Um, It's, you alluded to it and it's probably a, a sort of conversation for a, for another day but yeah he's he's got ridiculous potential um to go beyond us and probably beyond Plymouth hopefully um because he's he's a really really good footballer and I mean let's remember that he's this is his third position that he's played in this season and he never really looked out of place at right back he's a really really good central midfielder and now he's playing what we term out of position on the right wing um 
but he's settled in brilliantly and last night was a proper right winger's performance. He's got he has got a lot of skill and he's got two feet, which is which is more than could be said for a lot of wingers in this league. Um to be to be able to put a crossing like that with his left foot is is superb. And yeah, it it goes to show that he's certainly destined for way beyond our level. Um and probably he's probably too good for us now. Yeah, I think um I think we'll be looking back on on him as one of those, like you do with Adam Smith and Unan previously and, and one or two others where you go, yeah, it was obvious from the beginning that he was he was hilariously too good. I just kind of hope maybe we can have him back one day when he's 35 and he's made his money in the championship. Maybe we can have him back uh, and we can we can see the last of it. You don't get that anymore, do you? Because they, they make too much money now. We don't get... Are they, Woking have got somebody. Who have Woking got? Premier Matt League Jarvis. Player. Matt Jarvis. I mean, what's he doing? Yeah. He must yeah, have made so thousands a week. He might, no, I don't know. Maybe he just loves the game. Who knows? I, yeah, um, maybe he's gambled it away. It's, it's equally possible. <laughs> I actually, yeah, thinking about that. Is, that, that does happen. I saw a video about... Um, do you remember the Notts County takeover? Mm. All those years Sol ago. Campbell. Oh, Sol Campbell. Yeah, I saw a thing um, on YouTube at 25 Minutes. Um, a guy had done a load of research into it and about like who all these people were and that were involved. And the one thing that stood out for me was that they were paying for his one appearance. They paid Sol Campbell. He, his contract was worth 40 grand a week, which apparently at the time was double the average Premier League wage for a team in League Two. Yeah. What? How on earth did he think that was sustainable? That's two million pounds a year. <laughs> Out yeah. of Notts County, what what are their gate receipts? Ten grand a week? I mean, who knows? It's ridiculous, madness. So yeah, that was um, just popped into my mind when we were talking about uh, decent players coming down to a, a rubbish level. Yeah, very funny. Um, so yeah, we go, we stay third with yesterday's win, but we're now level on points with Sutton. <laughs> For the two listeners to this podcast that happens in the table, we're level on points with Sutton. Um, they've got game in hand and a slightly better goal difference. We've got a couple of games in hand on Hartlepool, who are top, and a vastly superior goal difference as well. The um, thing that made me laugh, looking at the um, at the form table on Flash Scores, there's a five-game form table you can look at. We've got 19 points from our last 10 games, which is pretty good. In, that, in those 10 games, we've scored nine goals. And we've managed to pick up 19 points from scoring nine goals, which is absolutely remarkable. Well, it just goes to show that our defence is really good, doesn't it? Um, it's uh, a com- well, it may it might as well be a conversation for now. Um, we spoke about Carl Cameron being being fit again. I mean, I don't know if he walks back into the team at the minute because I don't think you can look at. Uh, admittedly, they did change the back four last night to bring Moxie in, but you can look at that back four that have, I think conceded two in the last six. Something like that. One against Wrexham and one sorry, one against Weymouth and one against Dagenham. Um, I don't see how you can how you, how you can drop Sheridan or Lewis, despite the fact that I think deep down Cameron's probably a better centre back than both of them. Um, I think it's it would be really, really harsh to drop either of them because they've done really well. Yeah, no, I don't think you can make any changes at the moment. Um you know, I think that the big strength with bringing Danny Wright back has been actually having that solid basis to not have to expect too much from him. 
he's been able to play, you know, 45 minutes here, an hour there, and, and to, to play the full game last night. Um, you know, we're not, we're not a side that is blowing teams away like we were earlier in the season. You know, so actually the, the big strength has been at the back, is been keeping the clean sheets. Um, despite, you know, the, the couple of, you know, reckless moments that Cobblands had, obviously had one last night where he tried to Cruyff term one of the strikers and, you know, you thought, oh God, he's going to do it again. Um, but, you know, the, the back five has been solid. It's looked relatively safe. Despite offering up a chance or two, they've played very, very well. Yeah, you're not going to go really, not not more than the odd freak game. In this division, as good as the players are for our level, they're not going to go and more than a game without coughing up a presentable opportunity or two. It's not going to be like watching Italian football from the 90s, where it was just solid defence. You couldn't get within 30 yards of the opponent's goal and the whole game was condensed into the middle, 40 yards or whatever. It's, you know, they're at this level for a reason. It's an old cliche, but it's true. And you don't need to be that much of a striker to just find yourself in and around the box when a back pass is under hit or when a Brazilian goalkeeper decides that he isn't a Brazilian goalkeeper, he's a Brazilian central midfielder and a nice little Cruyff turn on the edge of his box was was the thing to do. The one it did for me was the one where he came deliberately, just a hoofed through ball that would have run into these box very easily. He decided mm. to come out of his area to make it more difficult, take it on his chest, and then get closed. They said, what are you doing? You mad, mad Brazilian bastard. Just go in your box. I think stay in your lane is what the children say. Stay in your lane, Coverland, where you're supposed to be, over in the loser lane with the old ladies in the trucks. You stay there. Let the flair players be the flair players. Only Chalky could announce the signing of a Brazilian, and he's a goalkeeper. <laughs> it could only be on the English Riviera, couldn't it? You go, oh, brilliant, great. We said, I wonder if he'll be, you know, he might be a bit of a caca or a bit of a... No, no, he's a goalkeeper. Oh, we should say, to be fair, um, he did fanny a lot last night, but he's also made a very, very good save very late on, um, down though to his left. They, uh, it must have been, I don't know, 90th minute or something. And, um, I think it was Bugle, their so-called hitman, um, had a shot and... It was it was a dangerous looking shot and it was a good save. Um, so yeah, he's a good goalkeeper and he's done really well since coming back from injury. As I say, he only conceded uh, two in six, I think. So yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, two in six or two in seven. I don't know. I can't remember, but it is definitely it's two goals. Something goal. like that, isn't it? No one, no one's coming in for facts, are they? No one did bloody good job. Yeah, um, and it's, yeah, it's a, the hell of a record considering that we um, the game before he came back. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. I haven't seen the highlights. I refused to watch them. But we, somehow we coughed up four goals. Yeah, so, um, so that's you know, the catalyst for change from the ashes of Phoenix has risen or whatever the phrase is. So, yeah, very happy with that. Um, yeah, so that broadly, I think, is a chat about Sutton, um, which probably takes us on to Saturday. We're not playing. Um, Sutton are, but that doesn't long-term catch up their game in hand. It's all a bit strange. They catch it up, and then we play on Tuesday, along with several other clubs. Sutton aren't one of them. So, uh, I don't know. We, we go to being um, 
we go to being a game ahead again having played a game more so saturday Sutton have got altrincham not not an easy game not a difficult game just a bit of a bummer that altrincham really they beat us to go second at playmore and they probably deserved to as well and they've fallen off a cliff since i think they've picked up about six points in three months since it's very distressing uh, the other notable games, uh, Notts County have Eastleigh. Eastleigh, who've lost a bit of form recently, but then there again, so have Notts County. Stockport have Maidenhead, and I fully expect Stockport to win that about 700-0. And Hartlepool have Wealdstone. Um, and that could really, that could be anything, couldn't it, with the way Wealdstone played the game? They'll probably win it, Hartlepool, but Wealdstone have this horrible tendency to score six and concede seven in a game so those are the those are the fixtures do you think we're going to get any joy out of any of those no <laughs> yes um elaborating on it no we, i don't think we are i think it's going to be one of those afternoons when everything pretty much goes to form i think um the only place possibly i was having a look at the table earlier on you can go all the way down, giving sides an outside shot at the playoffs right down probably to Maidenhead, who have got about three or four games in hand, I think. Um, but uh, Maidenhead aren't going to beat Stockport, not at Stockport, I don't think. Um, yeah, Woking, Wrexham. Wrexham aren't really of an interest to us at the moment. So, no, realistically, I think, you know, I think we can probably expect to go into Tuesday night back as we were before last night probably yeah um i, I buy that i know I, I apologize for what i'm about to say because i'm aware that we're on a podcast where we talk about football but um i don't care that much about what well i'm trying not to care about much about what what other uh teams are doing. i'm certainly trying not to talk about it because i just think if you can if you can, if, if we win our games we'll win the league so um um I know that's not mathematically correct, but it will be correct. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Stockport are quite good. Hartlepool are quite good. Sutton aren't very good. <sighs> yeah. And also, the thing is, is that it's all well and good saying, oh, they've got, they're playing against a team mid-table. But, you know, often teams lose games that they shouldn't lose. So, um, yeah, let them crack on. And, and we'll see We'll see at the end of the season whether, whether it was worth... Uh, worrying about or whether we're going to win the next 10 games and uh, be on the open top bus by then yeah i'll give you that okay well we'll um so last time i i asked about other teams <laughs> no, i really i'm really i'm sorry you should get someone on who gives a shit but unfortunately no, but you're, you're quite right it doesn't matter i mean you if we win if we win out we've got nine games left because i think we're only playing 42 this year yeah yeah, yeah 42 we're playing this year uh, no wait 44 we're playing this year no, no 42. 42 sorry 42 games we played this year um it would help if i could double 21 wouldn't it really in mental mass um so we've got nine games left you win nine games it's going to give us 90 points if we don't win the fucking title with 90 points i'm going to be a bit angry although um you know lots of other clubs have, have scored that or could have scored that number and not won it uh, it's been won with over 100 points a couple of times. So, but yeah, this year, if we get 90 points and don't win the title, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the only team that I did want to mention just very quickly is Solihull Moors. Um, with due regard for what Matty's just said about teams lose to teams that they shouldn't do all the while, they've basically got the bottom half of the table to play at home of their remaining few games. Um, and I would, they're, they're on quite a good run. 
So I would sort of be watching them a little bit closely to see whether they might trouble Wrexham, Notts County, Chesterfield, etc. at the bottom of the playoffs and, and sort of force one of those clubs into doing something a little bit desperate to try and stay in the promotion race. So that was that. Um, and then there's next Tuesday, which is quite a long way away, um, but it's particularly in lockdown. But next Tuesday is Woking Away. I don't really think we need to go into any dizzies about the 25th time in the last three seasons we play fucking Woking. Um, we know all about them. They've got two guys with some talent and an awful lot of guys with absolutely none at all. I see no reason we wouldn't beat them. I mean, I hope we will. I I mean, I had a, a quick look through our remaining fixtures and sort of scored what I thought we'd get over the next nine games, um, of which I put down Woking as an away win. You know, I, I think I think we'll beat them. Um, I certainly think if if we go up there and play the way that we have been in the last couple of games, and again getting slightly better with each with each turn, um, yeah, absolutely. I think we can we can go up there. We can beat them. Um, by all accounts, we we should possibly have uh, Ben Whitfield back in the squad by then. We've got Kyle Cameron who's back on the bench. Um, somebody else was back in training, and I forget who that was now. No, Waters, Benji. No. Benji. There it is. Okay, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be nice to have those two back? Bags of pace, shitloads yeah. of movement, bodies all over the place. I mean, everybody, I do occasionally, I don't put much stock on people's online opinions, particularly not on forums, because obviously they attract a certain type of person and whatever else. Uh, but one thing that I have seen over and over and over again on things is um, teams know that Ben Whitfield is our best player. By the, and the supporters know it, the managers, the coaches, the players, they all know that Benny Whitfield is the most talented footballer in our in our team and the most threatening player that we've got. They all they all notice it. Um, it was actually the Wrexham uh, forum that I I just saw. Um, on because I like to get an idea of what they're thinking of us um, just out of sort of out of blind interest really and one of their guys was saying oh we've we must remember in losing narrowly we have got like four players out injured I'm like four wasn't that the first week of the season for us blimey I remember having four players out injured pre-season we called that yeah and that was when somebody did then come back and start the conversation onto the subject of Ben Whitby was like if we're going to be fair, lads, they've got 13 players out, or whatever it was, one of whom is Ben Whitfield, who is easily their best player. And there's a little bit of chat around wits, and everybody is aware of him. So I think it's probably a psychological boost as well to, you know, for guys to see, look down the team sheet and go, oh shit, Whitfield's back. Could do without that. The right back knows he's in for a tough time. So yeah, I think that could be a huge boost to us. Do we think we'll see Andrew Nelson? This season, who was eight weeks away 13 weeks ago? Who's he? (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Nelson. Come on, people. Andrew Nelson. Is he Scottish? Or is he? No, he's from Geordie or from Sunderland, something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure sure he knew Carl Cameron from from being in the North East. I I, I assume they're all friends at there, but um, no, I, I, I don't expect to see him and if we do it will be a bonus but I mean I don't actually think he gets in the team at the minute does he if we play him one up front then that's Danny Wright and just on Whitfield um, 
while I remember it. Um, one of the benefits of us being good at the moment, and particularly Andrew's being good, is that we don't have to rush Ben Whitfield back. We can, it, like, like we did with Wright, stagger his return so that we don't Armani Little him and every bloody six weeks he's doing his hamstring. Um, yeah, and I think, obviously... It's, it's a benefit of being good is that you don't have to you don't have to change the team very much and um, he he's he'd be an incredibly good bench player because obviously he's an incredibly good footballer at this level anyway. Um, so coming on for twenty minutes at the end or whatever um, to build his fitness up would be ideal, I think. And and also as you say, everyone knows he's our best player. So if he's not playing, then we'll be able to sort of they'll be going oh bloody hell, who who do we who do we put pressure on now? You know, who's a, and, and actually our talent's quite spread across, uh, certainly from, from last night, our ta- the team from last night, our talent's quite spread across that, certainly going forward. Well, yeah, I mean, controversial opinion, but has Ben Whitfield being out stopped teams from being able to nullify the threats that we've got? And actually we've been able to attack in slightly different areas and we've had to set up tactically differently which has meant teams can't actually go, well, this is how they play. This is what they do. You know, they, they get the ball. They like to get in behind, um, double up on Ben Whitfield, and, you know, you, we can beat them 1-0. It's made us play in a different way, hasn't it? So I think with with our wingers being Andrews and Randall as opposed to Whitfield in the main, we are playing more passing football than dribbling football, if, that is, if that's not too an untechnical way of putting it. And especially with right-back, with right back um you, you you see that yeah it it, it feels like it's a working around him and, and the lemon in behind him um which yeah means that we we are less reliant on one player and it is it does look like more of a unit going forward um and i think the presence of whitfield probably did take away from the stuff that lemon evans wanted to do and maybe little wanted to do although it's not done a lot anyway but that's not the point um and randall randall also i think has has sort of thrived in a, in a role where he's been able to um pass the ball more rather than just sort of be looking for one man to run at players yeah he's had to he's developed a, a more rounded um game randall mm-hmm. he's had to because it isn't just a question now of hoik it to this guy uh, my school was good at basketball. Um, I don't know why it was. We were all. It was a white middle class school, as you'd imagine, um, and we were good at basketball for for whatever reason, um, like national class at basketball. And um, a couple of our guys from there have played in the NBA. One of whom was there when I was there, a couple of years ahead of me. Um, and as good as all our teams always were throughout all of the all of the age groups and all of the everything else, it was a little bit just chuck it to Brooks and he will he will done because but he was fifteen or whatever training with the England national side three nights a week and six foot eight or whatever he was one of these giant people could palm a basketball palm a watermelon do what you, you know he was a big big guy playing against other normal-sized 15-year-olds. So it was almost kind of an unfair advantage. It was, we'll just 
get it. You other, I don't know how many players are in the basketball team. That's how much attention I paid. Um, the other four or five or six of you, whatever it is, just hoik it up to Brooksy and he'll just put it in the net and we'll score 250 points a game. And it won't matter what the opposition do. The opposition can bring Shaquille O'Neal in. It ain't going to make any difference. So that was a little bit like that. We, they, that wasn't the best team we ever produced, although it probably scored the most points. Same thing here. Without having the the plan of we'll get it to Whitfield, let him do his thing, everyone else has had to sort of step up a little bit to the plate and take on their share of Whitfield's work. And I think it's, yeah, it's been beneficial to to all of them, as we've seen with the improvement over the season of Randell and one or two others. So with that in mind, you know, do you bring Whitfield back in when he's fit, which is what the big clamour will be? Everybody will want to see Whitfield back in the, the starting eleven. Do you bring him back in or do you say we line up as we are because we're playing very, very well and Whitfield with his pace in the last 20 minutes of, you know, two or three of the next four games, you know, we try and take advantage there where if we have struggled to break a side down, we then have that opportunity to to, to take it on. You've got to be able to beat different teams in different ways. You've got to have, you've got to have multiple plans to beat teams. Um to answer your question, I think as long as Jake Andrews doesn't do anything wrong, he, he starts because he's been very good recently. And yeah, you can call Whitfield a plan B or uh, not even a plan B, just a just a, um, a, a different way of attacking. Um, but I don't, yeah, I, I, I think he will pick Whitfield when he's fit. Um, but certainly to begin with, when you can sort of ease him, ease him back in, I think stick with the team that's doing well. And uh, go from there. Yeah, don't change your winning side. Um, And we are winning at the minute. We've won five of six, Mm -hmm. something like that. So I I don't see any real reason to bring him in and change how we are playing, undo a lot of the sort of changes that we have made. Um, Not count of Woking. I wouldn't want him to play against Woking anyway because Woking are overly physical and we always pick up injuries they are not the opposition to bring in um a team a, a player recovering from an injury uh Notts county um i've seen it said many many times that the way to beat Notts county is to make it a battle in midfield and then just pass the ball around them once you've once you've broken their spirit in midfield you can pass around them fairly effectively um which rules out the next two games because uh, that obviously not isn't whitfield's game at all particularly not coming back trying to find some fitness so home to Aldershot I suppose um yeah give it to Jake Andrews who is a clever crafty snapper of a player and has obviously passed on his um his hamstring trick his uh, score a goal grab your hamstring take 10 minutes to limp off and hope the referee doesn't add it all on trick to Danny Wright who, um, for those of you who may have seen him limp off yesterday and haven't seen on Twitter Wright he's absolutely fine um it was all nonsense. He was just playing the game, um, which I kind of, it looked that way when he was going off, but no, he's fine. He won't miss any time. Um, yeah. Okay. Pass. I, I too do not think we bring um, Whitfield straight back in a, because what the hell does that say to Andrews? Congratulations. You've been among our better players. You've got a couple of nice goals. You've made a, a real difference to the team. Now get out. A better player is here. That's, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's football. Maybe that's the life of a professional footballer. But that seems overly harsh on a guy that we probably will keep and want to keep 
to replace him with a guy who, if we're all really honest, is leaving in the summer. Isn't he Whitfield? We won't see Whitfield in yellow again. Um, and good luck to him wherever he goes next. Um, I hope he does really well. Um, that broadly it, I suppose, isn't it? It's weird we know game in the middle. I like games, but mm. we, um, we didn't have time to organise one, so we didn't organise one. So that's it. Unless I've got, I've got, got a quick business. quiz question. If you want to, if you want to have a quiz question. Oh yeah, go on. I like okay, random so, pop quizzes. Well, it's very much football based. Um, I, I'll admit, I'll preface this by saying that I'm currently writing an article. Um, so apologies for for that. Um, but for that, I was thinking about they had their free kick in the last minute, and I don't know about you, but I was petrified because I thought, well, this is just going in. This is just yeah. a goal. There's absolutely no way on earth that they're not scoring it. Would you like to guess? So now we come to the quiz question. Um, would you like to guess what percentage of shots from direct from free kicks in the Premier League this season have gone in? And to extrapolate what, how we should not have been worried about that chance. I'm gonna guess shots direct from free kicks. I'm going to say three percent. I would I would have gone somewhere in the region of about four to five percent I think. Well, it's six percent, and so so actually that's quite underwhelming because I was expecting you to go high and then go ha 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 you were worried about nothing it's only six percent but fine. Um, the point is, even players that are really good at taking free kicks, um, very rarely score from them, and it's completely irrational for anybody to be worried about a free kick on the edge of the box because they don't go in very often at all. They're, they're no more dangerous than a throw in in terms of the amount of goals that 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 come from them um so yeah to everyone that was worried including myself about uh their freaking last minute chill out relax it's fine i I remember i remember reading um or hearing a i think it might have been on peter crouch's podcast they were talking about corners um but they were talking about the percentage of corners and, and why actually a corner is no better than than crossing the ball than passing the ball. It, it's I think it's something stupid like three percent of corners result in in a goal within the first ten seconds or twenty seconds after the corner. There's there's no discernible reason why a corner should get you any more excited than any other passage of play within a game. It's just you just see it as all the big men go up and it's going right in front of the goal. Yeah, I it's I I value a corner. I'm a I'm a big mm. fan of of a corner because I think it's I I grew up watching that as I was born in '85 and watching football sort of my whole life so I sort of grew up with that shift into like four four two the Premier League get it wide get it in um, you know like D- David Beckham and and all that and getting good quality into the box was the way you scored goals that's what you did. And all this nonsense now, I mean, it's not nonsense, it's a perfectly valid way of playing the game, but all this now of trying to pass it through the middle, trying to essentially playing it almost like the cross where you you camp on the edge of the opposition's box and then you try and find that little ball through to a clever run. Or conversely, if you're the smaller of the two teams in a game, you try and hit teams on the break. There's no more of this genuinely finding a way to get it to the wide men, bit of quality wide, into the box and score a goal. So maybe I don't know. Maybe football has changed, but I still we, really, really value a corner. Ah, brilliant! We've got a corner, and that 
the same song that we always sing. Um, Come on, you yellers. Yeah. And like knowing that, right, good. That's a good thing. It means we've got a corner. We've got a good chance to score here. But no, was... you're right. It's probably if you get, what do we get? 10 corners a game. How often do we actually score direct from a corner? Once every five or six matches? Exactly. exactly. 2%. I was, I was just going to say, we we make such an event of corners at Playmore. It feels like uh, people get more excited about corners than anything else because we've got we've got a corner song, for goodness sake. It, it's, it's, it's quite rare that you'll hear that song sung that when, when it isn't for an attacking corner. And yeah, it feels like sort of a big... Ferrari and and then obviously quite especially this season is often either the first man or or over everybody, um, and it's it's a complete waste. But when you think about it, of course it makes sense that a normal cross is going to be more dangerous than a than a corner because you you've got maybe one or two strikers in a box against two two three defenders for for a normal cross, and then for a corner you've got five or six against five or six. So it's going to make sense that that uh, a normal cross is going to be as effective or more as a as a corner. But yet, for some for some reason, uh, in in football, and I think probably particularly at play more because we make an event of it, the corners do seem like a massive thing. And usually, it's fine. Usually, you don't have to worry about them when you're defending them. And, and yeah, when you're attacking them, you probably won't score. So chill out. <laughs> Tune in next week for more corner chat. Yeah, <laughs> with Matty Haywood and we could have and corner corner. Corner, yeah, corner, corner. Let's switch over to corner. This national session are going to be stealing this now, aren't they? <laughs> corner, corner. Um, just very quickly, while we're on the national session, um, thank you last night to Charlie and um, John, the national session boys, for uh, stepping in and doing the broadcasting for us. Um, they were very nice to to this podcast when we were trying to arrange uh, the Legends of the Buckle Era event one or two other things they plugged it for us so yeah we're um, big fans of those guys listen to that podcast if you don't already it's not a Talk United podcast we should mention that uh, and if you didn't hear Charlie on TalkSport this afternoon talking about a video that he took from last night's game at the end um, it's right at the beginning of the Hawksby and whatever show so it was on live at two o'clock I'm sure you can get it on listen again um, do check that out it's only 10 minutes but it's very very funny Charlie is always um, good value for his time on radio or TV or anywhere else so yeah look that up uh, I, I think we're done aren't we we've had a bit of a chat about yesterday's game and what's coming up we're very happy to be where we are in the table we think we're going to win the league hooray yeah that's Good it yeah, the goals. amazing brilliant well thank you very much everybody for joining us uh, next episode we'll be with you we might do a special at the weekend not sure um, if we do brilliant please listen to it if we don't sorry about that um, in which case it'll probably be Wednesday after Woking we'll be talking about uh, Talkie 12 Woking 3 thank you very much to uh, well me for being here and Matty Hayward for joining me thank you and Nick French also for joining me Thank you very much. Uh, We'll see you at some stage in the future. Goodbye.